Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and my co-host, Kate Roberts. Hello, Kate. Hey, Wynne. Hi. There it is again. If you've been watching or listening for a while, Kate always finds that amusing. I wish I was that funny about everything in life. It's funny because I get asked, why do you laugh? And I don't know. It's um, until you say that, I don't laugh really, you know? And get nervous, but you ask me and I'm like, oh, I get shy. And then I'm done. It's so funny. I don't know. Oh, well, one of those things we've all got, right? This week, we're delighted to have Lily with us today. Um, welcome, Lily. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're very grateful and excited to have you here today. So one question um, that you might have heard us ask previous guests on other episodes that you've listened to is the question, what would you love people to know about you who might never have heard your name before? I would want people to know that I, that I'm non-judgmental, <laughs> that I love when people share what they might think is too much information. <laughs> um, and they talk about embarrassing things or things that they might feel like, you know, makes them different or alone or, Oh my God, this is the, the worst thing. Like I kind of live for that stuff, you know? Um, and sometimes if my, my boyfriend was, the other day was saying something, blah, 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 you know? And he said, Oh, I'm sorry to burden you. I'm like, no, you know, I, I, I love that. Um, I like kind of going, going deep, but we don't have to go deep. It can even be that we're superficial. Um, so I guess I'd like people to know that I'd like to know them. I don't, you know, that I'm happy they're here, that they're okay and kind of hope. And I think that's, I guess we're in a way like, I don't, I guess it would be hard to kind of put into words, but um, but just that I celebrate them and their uniqueness and their weirdness and wherever they are. Um, and I'm happy that they're here on this earth right now. Hmm. But I don't know if that was about me <laughs> and if that's what I was supposed to do. As if there was a supposed to. Uh, yeah. yeah. But let's make it about you for a moment. Okay. What would you answer it if it was about you? You know, I, I'm a... I'm a person at peace with being imperfect now <laughs> um, and kind of excited for, for the full experience of life and a mom and I love being a mom and also having a second chance, I think, at taking motherhood and life less seriously, um, you, you know, in so many ways. I think I'm a person living my second chance and almost every single day I'm incredibly grateful, you know, and I'm mindful if it's down to drinking iced tea, you know, I had an iced tea yesterday and I used to have very, very, um, bad anxiety, disordered anxiety, which was also OCD and panic attacks. And so I avoided caffeine 
And I would see people drinking iced tea, you know, ordering at lunch. And I'm like, wow. So now when I order iced tea, which might seem small, or when I just can be present with my kids down to that, you know, just everything. I, I think I, it's in a way like, yeah, I feel like I've got a second chance at life. Um, and so that's me. And I, and I really get excited to work with people who are also maybe more in the depths of struggling with anxiety and panic. And I get excited to listen and to share what comes and kind of help them have a second chance and, and see how amazingly responsible and cool and possible it is to take life less seriously and how, (laughs) um, how wonderful it is. So I think I went from a girl, a little girl as a girl, I took life so seriously. It seemed really scary with with robbers and earthquakes and car crashes um, to an adult. And now, yeah, I acknowledge all of that there. I don't know. It just doesn't. um, And and I'm not perfect. There are obviously times when I (laughs) might have a lot of thinking about a trampoline that my kids are jumping on. Um, But, but I also let that be there and then it's not there for that too long. So that's me, a mom. And I guess as my role in, in work, which really feels like an extension of me getting to be an anxiety coach. There's so many things in what you just shared in those few minutes that I could, and Kate and I could, in fact, just dive into. The one that piqued my interest was you, your use of the word now quite early on in what you shared. So now I see something. And I'd, I'm really curious about what's your, because you talked about anxiety, panic attacks, OCD, your before and after. Mm-hmm. And what what have you seen that made the after so different to the before? Well, I think the exciting, I've seen probably hundreds of things, which is cool because each stumble I have, I feel like I, I see something new. But in the early days, you know, about four years ago, um, I first saw, I saw my panic attacks in a different way. I saw that there was something beyond my thinking that got me through them. Um, and that was through Sari Taylor. She's the one that shared the, the principles with me. And so she, I saw, um, I, I think I saw an option of a different way. Um, I had been very, um, uh, like very rigid in a schedule and just trying so hard with mental health, um, very, um, obsessed with like the amount of sleep I got and avoiding the blue light from TVs and having the perfect diet and the perfect meditation practice. And, you know, from, so my morning and night, but then also my head was just filled that I was just not doing it right. And, and I was, you know, all that stuff. And so I think the first thing, what I saw that I was innocently overcomplicating it, that it could be easier. And then in fact, maybe all the work I was doing was create, it was like shaking me up, you know, and that started to resonate with me. And it was also kind of exciting. Like there's less for me to do because it was a lot, you know, I couldn't just like leave. I often didn't leave the house in the morning, had a very long, like morning routine and a night routine. Um, so that was interesting. And, and then, yeah, that I didn't have to even plan for my panic attacks that even when I felt so disconnected, because with my panic attacks, they would often involve just like feeling like out of my body. I would feel, um, like I was losing my mind 
And so I wasn't even thinking, but I got through them. So that was the first thing that I, these things that were so embarrassing and I felt like I handled so poorly because I would often have them when I'd be driving on the freeway and I couldn't drive. So I'd pull over and then I often couldn't go back to work or drive my car. I'd have to have like my husband at the time or my mom and dad. And uh, I was a school psychologist at that time and like 30 and I just felt so embarrassed. So I, I just looked at them as well. Look at how well I got through them. That was one big one. And another huge one was that my thoughts flow on their own. I was like, what? Because I used to do so much. I did like thought work and emotional freedom technique and like do all this tapping and all this writing. And, um, you know, and it was just like, oh, well, the body holds the score. And I'd be like, I don't know. I just did so much stuff to like have it flow through me from like yoga therapy and um, just like shake it, you know, all this kind of work. And it was like, oh wait, there's in that again, again, it was less for me to do. My thoughts just change on their own. <laughs> and I didn't have to take my thinking so seriously. Um, and also, and then I'll be quiet, but if I felt something strongly, it didn't mean it was true. That was life-changing. When I was a little girl, um, I was very impacted by hearing the news or movies and in the movie, witches, the parents die when they go out to dinner. And I was like, my parents are going to die when they go out to dinner. And it seemed like so many movies, the parents died. So my parents would go out to dinner or they travel and we live in Los Angeles, but they would like go to London and, and I would just be like, they're going to die. And I would feel it, you know, my stomach would drop, my heart would ache. And I would think that that bad feeling kind of was like, yep, check your thoughts are on track. Um, and then it carried over to my teenage years and adults. Like if I would kind of feel bad about, you know, going over how I was in a social situation and my stomach would ache and my heart, I would think, oh yeah. And then when I realized, no, that's completely false. Like, you know, I'm just feeling my thinking that I'd never. So again, it, it was like, oh, I'm kind of, making it up. Um, and so I could think I started seeing through that illusion that my thinking made up about me being weird or broken or unlikable or flawed, or that the world was dangerous and the people I loved were going to die. And, uh, and I couldn't handle that. And I started just to kind of see that wasn't true. And then in so many areas, and I guess a big one, and then I really will, was that I wasn't stuck with any feeling. You know, I, I think I, and and also that, that there was no place of no return. You know, um, I remember one of my fears was that I would lose my mind. I would go crazy. Um, when I was growing up, it was kind of, people more said that, and I don't, you know, like, oh, um, they said, my some of my family, my grandmother went crazy. And so they would say mental illness runs in my family. And I saw the movie Sybil and um, it's a great movie, but the actress in it um, has multiple personalities. And I would think, is, is that going crazy? And does one just be sane and then not, and then, and then insane? And, um, and, and then when I had panic attacks that involved feeling like I was losing my mind, I thought, oh, that's, that's there. And I was so scared of going to a mental hospital. But when I found Sari Taylor and Nicola Bird and they had gone to the hospital, I'm like, oh wait, that's totally fine. Like that's on offer to like, no big deal. I mean, I, I'm not saying like, it's no big deal, but like, oh, I don't have to fear it. And there's not a place where it's like, oh, now you're just, you've crossed to the other side. And I also started to see um, 
how that could be. I just didn't really see mental illness in the same way or mental health as like, it just seemed like it was always there. And then sometimes you just felt bad. And so I guess all my worst fears kind of in a way faded away. <laughs> and, um, and so then I was more just free to live my life and then it unfolded in relationships and eating and, and all the different areas too. Wow. And that's a heck of a story. <laughs> now, I don't know if I'm oversimplifying it, but one, one thing that I could say that would be one summary of what I heard was that you noticed your mental wellness as opposed to looking for your mental illness. I don't know if that would be an accurate summary that I've made there. Yes. I, I, yeah, I love that. Exactly. And I think I also started to see it in others. Mm. You know, it was mm. like my head, my head kind of got turned. Um, and I think it, it was like someone put on my resiliency glasses and I started seeing, seeing the mental wellness in myself, but in others. And I think then I also stopped thinking of myself as much because before it was like, well, I'm on the verge of a breakdown or I'm this different person and me and anxiety. And so somehow the, I started, I saw my mental wellness and I also felt less alone. And so I more just felt like it's not just my mental wellness, it's our mental wellness. It's this, um, it's the mental wellness, you know, um, where I, it's not even me. It's, we all have mental wellness, you know, except for <laughs> when we get caught up in our thinking and, <laughs> um, and, and innocently believe otherwise, or, you know, and obviously other things can happen. So we're, we're not in a, a great state at that moment, but I don't know if that kind of makes sense that, um, well, it does to me from, from the point of view that as bad as things have gotten for you and the people that you talk to and, and, and mentioned now, they'd come back. So they had their resilience without needing resilience classes. Their resilience was always within. And, and I know that to be true for me too. Every time I had depression, I, I came out of it. But for some reason, I thought that that was a, a curse that I was, that I had and now I had it for life and it meant something about me. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that with anxiety, that more that was, oh, I'm just an anxious person. Mm. But I think I'm a unique person. <laughs> um, Sometimes it feels like, you know, I'll see something that Forever after that point, none of it's going to look real anymore. And yet, I still think things that show up in my mind are true. Sometimes they still look very true. What things look true to you now? Oh, good question. Um, what things look true? Somewhere very early on, I, 
picked up something that sounded a lot like not enoughness. Mm. And I will catch myself and I can kind of hear thoughts about not enoughness, but not enoughness for me look like anything. Like my mind could use literally anything to create not enoughness. Whether it's, um, it sounds like, oh, I should have gotten up earlier. And I slept in too late. It could be um, like about the day. Like, oh, I need to take care of all these things on my list. Like it would, it would, uh, oh, I haven't um, exercised enough. Mm -hmm. Like it could literally take any topic, motherhood, um, family, to something even really small but yet it still has an energy of not enoughness like so and sometimes I'm absolutely believing it Mm -hmm. without thinking about it because it had become so much a part of just my mental chatter that I didn't catch on and sometimes I still don't catch on until it gets a little bit louder and um And I can even use insight, like what I'm seeing in my life and what I'm seeing about truth. I need to see more, like it's not enough what I've seen until I catch on. And remember, yeah, that's my jam. That's what, you know, that's what my mind will come up with. So it'll use anything that's beautiful and perfect about my life, anything that I love, and I will use it to create not enoughness until I notice I'm creating not enoughness and that there's nothing to do. And this person, when Morgan was one of the first people that was a consistent reminder that there's nothing to do. He's like, yeah, cool next and I'm like what do you mean next I mean we got to do something about this win like I need to to do something to see it write it out or I don't know he's like no mm-hmm. and he's just casual way of you're done you're cooked you saw it next and he loves to do that and cool because I still sometimes think that there's something to do, see, think about. So, yeah. I think sometimes my version of that can be, oh, you could have done better. Yeah, it's a good one. But there are times when I don't think that. And I think for me, when I very much feel like that, like on a kick of, uh, could have been better, I'm like, mm. but it, when you were sharing, it made me think, um, I, they, I still have a little bit of a blind spot sometimes with something to do about driving, but it's been interesting because I have just been letting it be there. And when you were saying like, in a way, it's like, maybe have a little win. that's like, and because <laughs> sometimes 
I don't like when people cross in front of me. Mm -hmm. I, when they're walking in front of me, I feel like I could run them over with my car and I don't feel like it, but, or it's hard to say what it is. Like there's something, you know, it's, um, that was what like spooked me in the height of my anxiety was what if I lost control and what if I, you know, hurt people, um, which is something I'd never want to do. And I don't, I see clearly through that in so many areas, but sometimes actually, I guess it's, it's almost always like I'm in the habits. Sometimes if I'm there, the first car, I put my car in park, but before I'm like, you have to work through that. You know, there's still an illusion there or like felt bad that there's this blind spot. And depending on how noise, sometimes I don't think I notice when people are crossing in front of me, but sometimes I'm caught up. I don't see it. And I turned my head to the side, but I just, and that's where I'm at right now. I'm fully letting myself have, I don't have, have it be there. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I know that there's this thought that it's like, well, I, not enough, do better. And, but the other voice of, and <laughs> like, all right. So sometimes I put my car in park when people are crossing in front of me, because sometimes it still feels like Yikes, that's scary that I'm in a vehicle that could run them over and I don't like it. And if I, I, I don't know, and I never would have been at peace with that before because I would have like, who are you, a fraud? You're like talking about anxiety and is that a compulsion? And like, what are you, you know? And it's like, no, because I don't know. I don't think about it until I'm there. And sometimes the, the thought, oh, be cozier to or put your car in park and go like that. And I don't do that every time. Now I feel silly for saying that, but, but that I also, it more feels like an agreement to, and all right. Cause then I put my car in park or drive and go. And that thought stays there and I just move on. And one of my clients, I was sharing that, oh, sometimes I just look to the side and she said, it gave her such like, oh, I'm allowed to do that. You mm -hmm. know, that sometimes especially people that are working to get over anxiety or panic and they feel like, well, no, that would be cheating in a way, you know, or whatever. And it's like, we don't win any prizes for doing it the hard way. I don't identify as having disordered anxiety or driving anxiety. I don't have panic attacks. Um, I mean, that potential is there because it still could be a wake up call, but, and I'm like, bring it on if it needs to come. But, but that's just, I don't know. I guess I don't. There's a part of me that's like, well, there's still work to see, you know, that, that not enough, that means something, but the bigger part of me is like, on, oh, it feels more comfortable just to turn to my side <laughs> sometimes. There's a bridge that has an amazing view in the Pacific Northwest of the U S called deception pass. And, you know, it, it's one lane each way. And there's some pretty heavy traffic on it, right? Some pretty big trucks on it. And if you're walking on it, as I have done from on occasion, the thing shakes. Now, the reason I like to walk across it, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful view. But I don't like to walk too close to the edge. I like to be on the inner railing a little bit. 
that's the same as putting the car in park or turning the other way just in case there's someone walking in front. It just seems like, well, there's a hard way of doing this. And there's, I can enjoy the view and feel my left hip on the railing as I walk across. It's no different. It's just like, it just makes sense. The, the, the part that I really wanted to say, as you are both sharing it, in, in my experience, this is for, just from me talking, it's far easier to see through everyone else's, hey, you're fine. That's just story that it is for me to see mine. And I know that I'm not the only person who would be in that category because thought to the person who thinks it looks a darn sight more real to the person who's listening to it than just look at, hey, Kate, you're nuts. Hey, Lily, you're nuts to you know, believe that. It's easy for me to do the and. And the, the thing that I noticed, and I was talking with um, a client about this just two hours ago today, my wish for her was I wish that she would take how she feels less seriously. And then as soon as I said that out loud and I went, and I wish that for me too. Mm -hmm. Now that's not getting rid of emotions and getting rid of feelings, but it's just like, wow, there's a whole world there that, that the three of us have been noticing a bit, a, a bit about in our lives and pointing other people to in this podcast and, our, and in our own work there's a whole realm of having a different relationship with every single feeling and emotion that we have and every experience that we have, which just helps us be totally at peace with what you said, Lily, about being imperfect yet perfectly human at the same time, which includes taking what we think seriously, which includes undermining ourselves when there's nothing of real, of reality there that requires to be undermined. I think it's fun to notice our warts physical and mental. Not that I think I've got warts, but you know, there's plenty about my physical form that I would rather not be the way that it is. Oh, well. It's such a great conversation to be in. I started, in a way, I guess it's not taking my feelings seriously, but realizing, and I think it's, I still haven't found the words for it, but I used to really not like feeling strange in the head in any way, like, oh, this is weird. And then though, over the past few months, I would, and I haven't really had a story about that for a few years, but there's still this, oh, this is the strange feeling. And I thought, why? Like even this label of this is, I feel weird. Like, so I have a sensation in my head that's even made up that it's, I feel weird. And I, I don't know if I'm explaining it, but it was kind of interesting where even that, that's not concrete. It was like, that was still, um, and I think I hadn't really seen that even this very first, oh, I feel weird. Do I, or do I just aware of my head? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it was just kind of interesting um mm -hmm. and i think it kind of made me feel like oh i'm in a conversation with myself or like but in an okay way um and i guess underneath that is i don't even 
I don't even know what weird is, what strange is for myself or others, or like, what is feeling off? Like before it was like, oh, this, and um, I don't know that that wasn't an absolute either. So what if I was just feeling away? <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of, it was interesting and it was kind of, um, no, oh, I don't, I don't know. It was, I don't know if that makes sense, but that was, I guess I feel like, like taking away a layer or, um, and I guess taking my feeling less seriously because feeling off, feeling weird. I used to think, well, I, I, now I've made peace with feeling off and feeling weird. But what if I've never been feeling off or feeling weird? What if I've just been feeling like, or I've just, yeah. I don't know if that that's kind of makes sense, but I think it was that that even deeper level, which I didn't force myself to go to. Obviously, it just was like, oh. Well, that made a heap of sense to me. Okay. Heap of sense. And and what I, I don't know if this is empirically true, but it, it's the story I've got about how we work, is that we have this transient thought and, and feeling system that goes on that we've got no control over. And then I will innocently make a meaning of anything I think and feel, including the first label of weird, off, busy, loud, whatever. That first one is still a story. It's still me making up meaning out of something that is arbitrary. And I seldom see that in real time. But knowing it still happens in real time has taken the edge off how real and how scary that can be. So that's what I've noticed in the little that I've seen in the last kind of, oh, I don't know, but 10 odd years. And it is little and slow in the last 10 odd years. <laughs> it's totally it has totally transformed my relationship with my experience of being alive. You know, like Lily was saying, there's this, I think there's a, there's so much space when we, I think, become aware of what's happening mentally. And that space, like she's saying of, you know, I've been telling this story about how it's weird for so long. I'm not sure if that's true. And I think that we don't have to know if it's true or not, but there's something about that not knowing space that feels so, this is going to sound so weird. <laughs> I did that, by the way. Um, knowing. There's a knowing inside that gap between a thought and believing the thought when we don't know that feels like knowing, like I have no idea. And that to me feels closer to home, I think, than it ever has in the past. I read a quote, of course, I love Byron Katie, but I read a quote 
and I'm probably going to mess that up too. But she said, I love the sureness of the don't know mind. And it sounds like an oxymoron, but I don't, I don't know that it is. Because mm. there is a knowing when we realize that maybe our thoughts aren't true. Like who we really are exists in the unknown. And that's why it feels more, I don't know, like home to not know, to not believe our thinking. I don't know. Well, I think the being okay with the don't know is like being okay with no label was what was coming through. Because for me, when it is, it's what I might, my feeling in my head that I might have the thought this is off, this is strange, this is weird. Somebody else having that feeling, one might just say, oh, this means tired. This means excited or cre like, oh. And, and what was coming through for me when you were saying that sureness and the don't know is who knows what it, like, it just is. And it's okay, it doesn't have to have good, bad, weird, tired, excited, you know, where what's on an offer, I guess, is fluid is changing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I'm more okay with the don't know too, when talking to a client, I have one and she keeps throwing up every morning and she's talked to doctors and I don't know, don't, we don't know. And I don't know. And that's okay. Nothing new or fresh came from a previous knowing. Had mm -hmm. to come from I don't know. And that's always a nice reminder for me, whether it's, you know, a nice reframe or whatever, I don't care. But it's just, it's also just a fundamental truth that no one's figured out what's happening with this person that you mentioned about throwing up. Then, hey, it's good to know that we don't know. Because if we thought we knew and we didn't, that would keep us stuck. And it wouldn't do anyone any good. But but also going back to something that, that you said, and I, Kate, that you said, and I, and I had this amazing, expansive moment that, I don't know, lasted about 30 seconds or so. And my mind went really quiet into a place of remembering that feeling of the absence of thought appearing sticky or solid the truth of the fluidity of energy in motion, consciousness in, in motion, playing its role out in this entity that was named Wynne Morgan. Mm. That was my sense of home when you were saying that, and then it just got expanded again in, in you sharing what you shared about that. And quite quickly, I then went into, yeah, but there's a life to live. But when you deal with business people and all this kind of stuff came like <laughs> gushing back in and I thought, geez, I know that that helps with everything. So I don't have to buy that, that thought either. I can have that thought and it not being, not having that much of an impact on me and, you know, 
you know, telling me that I'm nuts. And I have gone to that space where I have lost my mind going back to something that you said earlier on today. So Lily, there's, there's something that you've got that's just started and it's two really long words beginning with the letter D. Derealization and depersonalization. I'd love you to say a little bit about that, please. Yeah, and it's funny. My my boyfriend was helping me with the with the cover of it, um, and he said these are just two very long words. And that second one doesn't even look like English. It just doesn't look very pretty and appealing. <laughs> um, and he's a, a commercial director and great with graphics. And I was saying, well. Um, <laughs> so I, I like that you said two very long um, And so those very long words, I didn't know there was a name when I was dealing with them. And again, I guess it's funny because going on to label, somebody somehow labeled that experience or derealization can be feeling detached, like the world isn't real. You know, you kind of know it is, but it has a, a weird feeling like you're on a movie set or a spooky upside down world. Um, and depersonalization can be, again, that spooky feeling where you or other people like don't look really real. It's like, is everything fake or you're kind of removed and looking at yourself from an outside in. Um, and I did a a long mentorship with Dr. Bill Pettit, who, if people don't know, is an amazing psychiatrist and um, just mental health professional. And he helped me see that that was from love. That was part of the kindness in the human system and how the human system is benevolent and beneficent. And I didn't know those long words when I was going through it, but I just thought, what is this? I'm losing my mind. Um, and I had a hard time putting it into words and, um, I felt like, well, nobody, nobody is experiencing this, you know, which is so silly. Now it seems like so egotistical to think I'm the only one having this unique experience, but, um, you know, 11 years ago it did. And I couldn't explain it. I think in my way to my psychiatrist, he'd say, Oh, it's a panic attack. But I was like, I think I, you know, I, I didn't. So once I actually got to a better place, I just had so much clarity and kind of funny ways to share what it felt like. And then when I would share on social media, a lot of people are like, me too. Oh my gosh, that's what it is. And um, what people can innocently do is get scared by it. And so just add on more thinking. So um, about it is the kindness in the design, we have so much stressful thinking, like a critical mass of concerns and noise and stories in our head. That's so scary. So the brain comes in as like, I'm going to help. I'm going to chill you out. I'm going to remove you. And so that's kind of where it comes from is, well, what if everything didn't look so serious and it didn't look so real? Or what if you saw it from an outside point of view? It's, it's from love. It's trying to help. Um, it's a defense mechanism. And so when you know that you can say, oh, all right, <laughs> I'll leave my thinking alone. And, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to wait, wait for my cork to rise, wait to kind of just waiting, you know, oh, and no judgment, not. Um, so that's what I'm sharing with that is, is, is my, my experience, my understanding. Um, and because it can feel 
so isolating and confusing for some people. I, I got a lot of other people's, oh, what does it feel like for you? And I kind of put it in there because I know how cool it was to read other people's, to read in a way my experience said by other people. Mm. So I put together, for lack of a better word, like a masterclass, which is really like a video that I did a graphics for and sharing about derealization, depersonalization, so you can, people can understand it and then also how to feel better. So at the end, I put in about actually understanding where our experience comes from and about having healthy mental hygiene and uh, pretty much everything in essence that, that we've been talking about, you know, not taking your thinking so seriously and how it's kind of responsible <laughs> or not kind of, but so I just worked on that and I just, it's always available. Um, it's just kind of like freestanding because I think, and it's interesting because it took me two years to do it, but that was my like largest pain point. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's my newest offering. And I just wanted it there because sometimes I, I love doing live stuff so we can talk and listen, but sometimes I don't have live stuff. And I actually am kind of in a, I haven't, I have just my individual clients, but I haven't felt inspired just yet to kind of start a group yet. I don't know. I just feel this don't know, or this more call just to, um, not offer anything. Um, and I'm okay with that. Um, well, most of the time. And I just, I'm kind of happy or reading books and being with my kids and seeing one-on-one -on -one clients, but I know that some people are, I want to talk about this or this. So I'm right now feeling inspired. Yeah. Just to make kind of standalone little master classes and workshops on, on things that troubled me. And then they didn't. <laughs> Brilliant. Wonderful. Well, I thank you so much for being here with us for the just genuine way that you share I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I've been honored. I've been very much on a kick of listening to your podcast and um, just feeling such peace and friendship. I love the dynamic that you both have. And so it was just an honor. I actually honestly think I haven't been as excited to be on a podcast ever. I was like, my gosh. Um, so I'm just really honored. And I hope that I wasn't too speedy and talkative for the wonderful energy of your podcast <laughs> not in the slightest it was a delight yeah thanks Wim. you've been listening to under the noise i'm kate roberts and i'm here with lily and win if you have any questions or comments or topics that you would love for us to chat about reach out to myself or Wen. our details follow the podcast hope you have a great week Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.